Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 54 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to pray, Lord, reveal yourself to me. There are those who know about God, and then there are those who know God. The word of God says that those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Jesus said that many will come to him on the final day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in your name? Have we not prophesied and cast out devils? And he will say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. And so we ask ourselves, how could Jesus not know them? Jesus knows all things. But I tell you, my friend, that there is a deeper revelation in this because this is not about an intellectual knowledge. This is about a personal knowing. He's saying, I never knew you. I never had relationship with you. You knew of me, but you never knew me. So today we pray, God, reveal yourself to us that we might truly come to know you. Because there is a recognition of, and then there is a covering from, and then there is an indwelling by. Lord, we want to be all in. We want to be filled with your presence. We want to have a revelation of what and who you are, that we might walk in the power of that revelation because where revelation is, faith is, and where faith is, authority is, and where authority is, the anointing is, and where the anointing is, yokes are broken. Because I assure you, friend, that faith stirs faith, but likewise, so does unbelief stir unbelief. So we've got to get a grasp on the reality of what it takes to come to truly see Jesus for what he is. In Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22, we read an encounter that a man had with Jesus that reveals to us this exact situation. It says, and Jesus came to Bethsaida. And they brought unto him a blind man and besought that Jesus would touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he spit in his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him what he saw. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. So after that, Jesus put his hand again upon the man's eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to anyone in the town. You know, Jesus was often getting into trouble for doing some pretty unconventional things, spitting in people's eyes to heal them, not among the least of these. But God never does anything without a reason. And so I have to ask why so many times when God was going to heal the blind, did he do it by putting spit in their eyes? Well, my dad always preached, and this is true theology, this is biblical history, that at the time there was a belief among the Jewish culture that there was healing virtue in the saliva of the firstborn son. So you see, my friend, what Jesus was doing had purpose. 
You see, I believe this story to be a parallel for someone whose sight, whose spiritual sight has been blinded by their environment, by their circumstance, by the comfort, by their routine, by where they have been and who they have been with. Because there was a reason that Jesus had to lead him out of the town before he began to restore his vision. And my friend, God will do this to us and he will move in very unusual ways. So if we are to set in our mindset, in what the people around us tell us is, then we can miss our time of visitation just like the Pharisees did. They were relying on their head knowledge, their education, their writings, their teachers, their pride, their prestige, and their pomp. And so they could not see what was standing right in front of them, that the king was here now. They couldn't have faith for the here and now because their mindset was stuck in the past, in what was. They constantly told the people that they could not believe in this Jesus because there was no way to know if he was really of God. They had their faith in the past, in what had been proven. And my friend, there is a place for that, but you have to be willing to get on your face and hear the present tense word of the Lord and let him lead, guide, and direct you. Let it be confirmed by what is written because everything about Jesus was prophesied and what was in the written word confirmed what was in the manifestation of the rhema word my friend they work hand in hand but don't throw out what he's doing right now or you'll miss your time of visitation because God always does things in a way that we don't expect but he's doing it for a reason to reveal to us who he really is because you see, my friend, there was a reason that Jesus spit in this man's eyes. He took him out of the town because this town was known for unbelief. They were used to things being the way that they thought they should be. So Jesus had to take this man out of the town because he wanted him to see the reality, the truth that the king wanted to touch him personally and to break the blindness that unbelief brings when people around you just keep speaking those things. Jesus had to do something uncommon, unexpected, unconventional, something that most of the prideful rejected, but that would bring revelation, that would release a recognition of the provision, that would birth faith in this man who would cause faith to arise in others. Because you see, my friend, the reason this man had to have spit put in his eyes is because being part of that culture, he would recognize that if there was healing virtue in this spit, when his eyes were opened by it, that this spittle came from a firstborn, the firstborn, the son of God. It wasn't just physical blindness that was being healed here. It was the blindness caused by unbelief that had been preached to him all of his life that was being wiped away by a revelation that he could personally be touched by Christ. Because you see, it goes deeper than that. Just recognizing that he must be the firstborn, the son of the living God is powerful enough, but you have to understand the culture of the time because they understood the concept of a redeemer. Jesus came to redeem us, that doesn't really mean a whole lot to us, but to them, it was great revelation because you see, my friend, 
in the Middle Eastern culture, the way the family system worked was that you had one patriarch and then all of the family lived together in a house with many rooms. And everybody worked together and the patriarch's job was to tend to the family, to protect the family. All of the resources of the family went to the patriarch and he made sure that everyone was taken care of. And if anyone was marginalized, if anyone was, was lost or separated or stolen from the family or sold into slavery because of their own decisions, it was his job to go out and take all the resources of the family that were necessary to redeem them to purchase them with a price, to save their lives and cause them to be restored, reconciled back unto the family. But there came a point at which this patriarch would announce that the fullness of time had come and he was now going to appoint the eldest son, the new redeemer. And therefore all of the inheritance of the entire family went specifically to the eldest son, and everybody else in the family rejoiced at this concept because they understood that that meant now it was the eldest son's responsibility to take care of them, to provide for them, to release that provision to them, whatever was needed to accomplish their mission, to fulfill their position in the family, to do whatever task it was that the patriarch had set for them to do to walk in their role, their calling, to fulfill the goal, whatever they needed, that provision was made available to them by the eldest son. So you see, my friend, what this man began to see was so much grander than men walking as trees. He began to grasp hold to the reality that this man is the firstborn son of the living God and he is my redeemer. It was a recognition of the provision that was available in Jesus Christ that opened this man's eyes, which had been blinded by the unbelief of Bethsaida. Because you see, my friend, the reason that Jesus didn't heal him in the town is because this town was known for its unbelief. In fact, it's one of the few places that Jesus actually cursed because of its unbelief. Bethsaida missed its chance, its time of visitation. It rejected the king of glory, even though he made himself available to it. They would not open their eyes to see it. They had been blinded by unbelief. My friend, I tell you to be careful because people can preach unbelief to you and you can stay in that environment, that place of unbelief until it blinds you spiritually. Jesus literally had to take the man out of the town before he could make him come to the realization and the revelation that he was here and willing to personally touch him and use him for a mighty work. Because I tell you, my friend, that this man's miracle not only opened his blinded eyes, but it opened up the spiritually blinded eyes of those around him to recognize, to be able to see who Christ really was because in the verses right before this happens, we see that Jesus warned his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And they did not understand the spiritual things that Jesus was trying to say to them, that he was warning them not to compromise, not to trust or to rely or to think that they need the things of this world or of the doctrines of men or of mammon 
to do the works of the kingdom, but they didn't have a recognition of the provision that was available to them because they thought he was talking about regular bread. And he said, you have eyes, but you cannot see. Do you not remember how I fed the 5,000 with just a few loaves and fishes and how we picked up more baskets than what we sent out? I have provision. Why don't you understand? Why don't you trust in the provision that is in my hand? All the power of the kingdom has been given unto me and I am willing to release it to bring myself glory to do the Father's will. If you could only see that I am the redeemer, I am the firstborn, I have all the provision of the Father's house. I need you to have a recognition of the provision. He said, you have eyes, but you cannot see. And then immediately after, we see this miracle where he takes the man out of Bethsaida and restores his eyes and does this thing that brings this revelation that he is the firstborn, the king and the redeemer. And in the very next verses, we see the power of the testimony of what these men witnessed by what Christ did in restoring this man's physical sight? Did he break the spiritual blindness, that lack of faith in the provision of our king? Because we read that this is exactly the point at which Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they replied with many answers. He said, no. And then he said, now who do you say? that I am. Before this encounter with this blind man at Bethsaida, the place of unbelief, he said they had eyes, but they could not see. They had no faith in who he was or the provision that he was bringing. But immediately after, we hear that reply from Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How do you think Peter got that revelation? Jesus said, thank you, God. It is the Father that has revealed this unto you. But my friend, how did the Father reveal it? Because he saw the healing virtue that was placed from the saliva of the firstborn in a blind man's eyes. And he began to see. But it wasn't just the blind man who got his sight that day. Peter saw what God was doing and he believed. This man is the firstborn son of the living God. He is the redeemer. And in his hands are all the provision of the kingdom. He got a recognition of the provision. God, give us eyes to see. Heal the spirit spiritual blindness. Let us know and understand that all provision, power, and authority is in your hands. And if we will but trust you, if we will have faith in you to do what you said you would do, you will bring it about in miraculous ways. You will get you some glory because you are the king of glory. So we follow you. We honor you. We believe in you. God, I pray that you heal the spiritual blindness that causes men to trust in the bread of the Pharisees and of Herod. Because before this encounter, the disciples were worried about having bread and Jesus was warning them, do not go to the Pharisees to the false doctrines. Do not go to those who have corrupt minds and selfish hearts. Do not go to the government programs. Do not go to the dirty money. Do not go to those who mix themselves with the culture. Do not go to those who are friends of the world. Do not go to those who have blood on their hands, who have killed the prophets 
and have rejected the truth of the word of the living God. Do not go to them. You have eyes, but you cannot see. How do you not understand that I am able to bring provision? Do you not remember the loaves and the fishes? And then this encounter in Bethsaida. And now Peter can finally see this man is the king, the firstborn, the redeemer. We don't have to depend on the Pharisees. We don't have to fear Herod. We don't have to compromise. Everything we need will be provided for us to accomplish the task that we have been given. It's not even our place to try to make the provision. It's the firstborn son's place. And the firstborn son has healing power in, in his saliva. And this man just healed blinded eyes with spit. I see it. I believe it. And now I will walk in the revelation and the power of it. God, give us sight. Give us revelation. Reveal yourself to us in who you are and what you are able to accomplish if we will trust you and not compromise because you will not pour provision on those who are putting their faith in the Pharisees and inherit in compromise. In fact, you cursed those. That was the problem of Bethsaida. Bethsaida was one of the only places that Jesus literally cursed because of their unbelief. Jesus could not do many miracles even in his own home town because the people that knew him the closest would not believe that he was who he truly was. They did not have a revelation of Jesus Christ. They were blinded by unbelief, by what they thought they knew of who they thought he was. They were blinded by who they thought he was so they couldn't see who he really was. Because you see, my friend, the word of God says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those who come to God must recognize that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And to recognize that he is God means that we have to recognize that he has all the attributes of God, that nothing is impossible for him, that he is a healer, that he is a deliverer, that he is a savior, that he is a king. That he is a redeemer and a provider. That he can do all things. That we can't put our faith in anything or anyone else. We can't compromise. We've got to be all in. We've got to be in it to win it. We've got to believe. We've got to see the reality that he can do anything. As far as I can tell, this is the only time that I remember Jesus ever having to heal a man twice. He put the spit in his eyes and put his hands on him. And then when he removed, he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men as trees, but he didn't see yet clearly. And so Jesus did it again. But this time he told him to look up. He had to take his eyes off of where he was. So powerful was the blindness of the unbelief in the environment that he was in. My friend, I tell you again, sometimes God is telling you to get away from some people. He's telling you to get away from some groups. He's telling you to get away from some teachings. He's telling you to get away from those who are unbelieving and get into a place where your eyes are set on him and not on men because only then could he finally see clearly. He said, look up. Spiritual blindness is caused by a lack of faith. 
in this situation, God fixed it by revealing who and what Jesus really is, which brings a recognition of provision, which then ignites faith again. And sometimes God's got to take you out of where you've been because all you've been around are people that have been preaching unbelief. Yes, my friend, the church is full of unbelieving believers. So God has to take you out of your comfort zone to a place of dependency. He had to lead the man out into a place where he had to follow Christ and do exactly what he said. He couldn't listen anymore to the naysaying words of the men of Bethsaida that were around him when he was in the city. He had to get away for his faith to be placed in the provision of what God could do because it's hard to believe for what God can do when all you're hearing is what God can't do. This man had revival, even though it was just him and Jesus and a few disciples. And my friend, I remind you again that this man's miracle revived the disciples. It caused their blinded eyes to be able to see the reality of who they were walking with. You see, my friend, when real revival comes, it brings comfort to the distressed, but it brings distress to the comfortable. The Pharisees aren't going to like it, but the desperate are going to love it. You see, the problem with the Pharisees and the reason they could not see, because Jesus had to tell them many times, you have eyes, but you cannot see. They had a faith in the past, but they didn't have a present tense right now faith. And faith is now. Faith is a present tense. We can say that we have faith in something that happened 2,000 years ago, but if we don't have faith that it is affecting us right now, then we don't really have faith. We can say that we believe that Jesus was hung on a tree and that he died for you and me, but if we don't believe that what he did 2,000 years ago gives us a right now present tense relationship with him that we can be touched by him that he can open our eyes and we can see and we can be changed and we can have a brand new revelation that we can have provision and power that we can walk in relationship with him that we can commune with him hear from him be used by him and that he is coming back again my friend if your faith is not here now in the present tense then you don't really have faith in what he did because what he did then was to affect you now, God, reveal yourself to us, cause the blind to see and to have faith in your kingship that you can do what you promised to. And this was not even the only time that Jesus did this to open blinded eyes. There was another instance where Jesus mixed the spittle in with the clay and rubbed it in the man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Shiloh. And then the man, once he was able to see, was brought before the Pharisees and they asked him, how is it that you now see? And he told them it was this man, Jesus. And you see, my friend, the Pharisees, they were filled with envy because they knew what that meant. Because you see, when he told the man to go wash in the pool of Silo, it literally means sent. This man was sent to be a testimony to the Pharisees. God had a reason. He always has a reason. This man came before the Pharisees and they asked, how were you healed? And he explained to them, he mixed his spittle in the clay and anointed my eyes. And I once was blind, but now I see because this man has touched me. And the Pharisees knew exactly what that would mean. You see, they had the revelation too. 
but they didn't allow themselves to be humbled by it. They made their hearts hard by it and they moved into envy. And the scripture literally says that for envy, they sought to crucify Christ. You see, my friend, Jesus made it very plain when he gave the parable to the Pharisees of the master who had a vineyard and he had left people in charge of this vineyard. And every time he would send a messenger to check how they were tending to the vineyard, they would kill the messenger that represented the prophets. So the master sent his very son and the servants who were tending the vineyard killed the son, hoping that they might steal the vineyard. And the word says that the Pharisees knew that Jesus was talking about them and they were stirred to wrath. They envied because they knew that God was with him and not with them. And they would have understood completely what it meant when this man said that he was healed by the spittle of this Jesus. And just in case they didn't get it, Jesus added an extra ingredient. He mixed in the clay as if to say, not only am I the firstborn, not only am I the redeemer, but I am God in the flesh because I can make new eyes out of clay. After all, I formed the first ones from it. Do you see what Jesus was doing. He was bringing revelation in unexpected, unconventional ways that brought hope to the hopeless and envy to those in high places. The Pharisees had actually decreed that if anyone professed that this Jesus was the Christ, that they could not even come to the synagogues anymore. They couldn't come to church. If you believe that this Jesus is the Son of God, you can't come into our church anymore. They didn't want to lose their illusion of power when people recognized the provision of the Redeemer. And so, my friend, I tell you that we need to get a revelation of who God really is, that we don't have to depend on the bread of the Pharisees. We don't have to depend on men of high degree. We don't have to depend on Bible college theology. We don't have to depend on mammon. We don't have to depend on the tools of Egypt or the works of our hands or the newest program. When you get a revelation of the great I am, that he is the son of a living God, that he is the redeemer, that all the provision of the father's house has been given unto him and that it is his job to make sure that we are provided for, that we have everything we need to accomplish the task that the patriarch has called us to do if we will trust him and stop running to another father to get it. Because my friend, when you run to the enemy and make friends with the world, because you have more faith in the bread of the Pharisees and of Herod than you do in the provision of the Redeemer, you leave the family, you leave the power, and you leave the provision. You're no longer walking in your commission. And now he's got to leave and go find you and redeem you and try to bring you back into right standing. My friend, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much because if you are in right standing, if, if you are reconciled and you have faith in who Christ is, he will pour out provision. So God, we pray today that you open our blinded eyes, that you reveal yourself to us, 
that we come to recognize that you have all provision, power, authority, and might, and we don't have to compromise. God, I believe in my heart and I speak it with my mouth and I walk it out with my life that you can do what you have promised to do. You can heal blinded eyes physically and spiritually. God, you can move in miracle working power. God, I don't have to advertise. You will draw all men unto you when I have faith in you. God, I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe for you to do great and mighty things. God, I'm crying out for revelation for me and for all those that are listening. God, I'm crying out that you take the blinders off, that you cause us to see you for who you are, just like you did for Saul on the road of Damascus when he became Paul and you took the scales off his eyes and he began to realize who you really were and because of it he followed you and knew that you would do what you needed to do he trusted you to take care of him to provide for him that he was able to say in every situation I am content because I know that my God is giving me exactly what I need and I don't have to compromise or plead or agree with the bread or the lies of the Pharisee because their bread is counterfeit. It is not pure. It is not perfect. And it is not endorsed by the Lord God Almighty. I will not compromise for the chariots of Egypt. I believe that my God is who he is and I will seek his face until he gives me what I need or I will wait on my knees because I trust in my king. He's my redeemer, my provider. And he does things in very unusual ways. But that's just to make sure that only the pure and the humble and the faithful are walking with him because the prideful and the lustful and the selfish and the materialistic will not trust will not humble themselves to have spit put in their eyes, even if it's meant to heal them, even if God's trying to reveal himself to them. They're not desperate enough. The blind man was desperate. He was willing to say, Lord, do whatever you need to do. I want to see you. Not my will, but thy will be done. Touch me. Make me whole. He touched him and he changed him. In the story of the man who was brought before the Pharisees, they asked him who it was that healed him. And he said, one thing I know, he touched me. Oh, how he touched me. I was blind and now I see. Oh, I'm telling you that when you are touched by the king, it changes things. God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, but everything he touches does. So my friend, if you are not changed, you have not been touched by the king. I don't care who claims his name. Many will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord, and he will say, I never knew you. If they're not changed, 
They've not been touched. When you are touched by the king, you are changed by the king, you are going to profess. And it doesn't matter who tries to shut you up or who kicks you out of their church. You're going to give God some glory. That man was kicked out of the synagogue. He was excommunicated. He was cast out of his church for professing that Jesus Christ had touched him and changed him. My friend, you'll be changed. Jesus said you must be converted. You must be changed. You must be born again. You must be made a new creature in Christ. If you are touched by Jesus, if you get that revelation and the blinders fall off and you begin to see in reality who he really is and you know that there has been a change in you, there's something real. You're not ashamed anymore. You're going to speak it. You're going to profess it. Even if you get kicked out of your church for it. God, take the blinders off. God, I pray that you make some blind people see that are willing to see God because only the Pharisees were not willing to see. They were given the same opportunity. You see, God offers the truth to all. So my friend, I don't care what your title, your position, your education, if you have not been changed, you have not been touched. Because do you see what God did here? The blind man that was healed at Bethsaida, that place of unbelief. The disciples who had just had the same issue as the Pharisees. Jesus told them, you have eyes, but you cannot see. And then Jesus did this thing. He revealed himself to them through this miracle, through this encounter, through this touch, through this unconventional touch. And then he gave them the chance to believe. Therefore, when he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus rejoiced because he knew what he was doing. See, this was their chance to accept or reject. He did the same thing for the Pharisees when he healed this blind man and told him to go to the pool of Silo, which means sent. Jesus sent him to give the same truth and revelation to the Pharisees that he had offered to his own disciples. But they didn't do what Peter did. They didn't see what was placed in front of them. They didn't choose to believe what they were seeing. They rejected. God offers truth to all, but the prideful refuse to see it. God, help our unbelief. Give us eyes to see. Help us to believe the miraculous testimonies that we hear of the lives all around us. Help us to not be envious of it, to not be hardened to it as the Pharisees were, to not refuse to see it and believe it because you are trying to reveal yourself to us through it. Let us be found like Peter and the other disciples who though they once were blind, now they see because they chose to believe when you chose to reveal who you really were to them. God, we trust in you, we believe in you, and we receive who you really are. Not what we were told you are, not what we read in a book you were, not who we learned in a school you were, not who we were told by our doctrine 
or even our pastor that you were, but who you reveal to us that you are in your present tense right now encounters when you touch us and when you reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, help us to believe what you are trying to cause us to see. Take the blinders off. Let us not be hardened. Let us see the work that you do in other people's lives and believe the testimonies of the miracle working power of our King. God, give us a revelation. God, help us to know who you are and let us have faith for the provision that that provides, that we don't have to rely on the things of this world. God, let us not stay in Bethsaida in that place of unbelief around people who preach unbelief to us continually, but let us press out and find you in that place where we can get that personal touch from you, God, and that personal revelation. My friend, he wants you to be all in. He wants you to press in. He wants you to enter in personally to that place of prayer. You don't have to depend on a person to spoon feed you theology. You need to get on your knees and cry out to the Lord God Almighty and say, God, reveal yourself to me. Teach me. Show me your glory. I want to know you personally, my king, because those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits and they shall instruct Many, my friend, don't take a second-hand opinion. Stop waiting for someone to tell you who he is. You get on your knees and you cry out to the king and say, God, show me your glory. Heal my blinded faith. Help mine unbelief. Cause my eyes to see. I'm stepping out in faith and following after you. Do what you need to do. Reveal yourself to me. Give me eyes to see that I might believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, my redeemer, my provider, my strength, my overcoming power, my risen Lord, the holy and anointed one, God. A real person with real personality that wants to have a right now personal encounter that is willing to touch me and change me forever. God, give us eyes to see, reveal yourself personally to me. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.